This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. This is Sage Rosenfels reporting from the 2019 NFL Combine in Indianapolis for the Score North. I am here with Texans radio play-by-play man, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, welcome to the show. This is like a dream come true to be interviewed by Sage Rosenfels. I mean, I don't even know where to start. This is awesome. I'm, I'm just so floored by the whole experience already Sage. Well sometimes the world is serendipitous and (laughs) and two uh, great things collide and we collided here uh, at the Combine. Haven't seen you in a long time and it's it's great to see you again. Let's talk about the Houston Texans and what their needs are. Uh, You don't have to be too specific obviously but you know what what were were some of their weaknesses last year? Were they looking to maybe upgrade with this Combine in in the 2019 draft? I think everyone remembers the playoff exit and that was a horrendous afternoon for this team. Losing 21 to 7 to the Colts at home, having really no juice for the game, it seemed. So that was a little perplexing, Sage. But the Texans really, when you look at everything before that, and I know it's hard to do that because the ending was so bad. It was like a a real good movie with a bad ending because they started 0-3, so major adversity from the get-go. Then they win nine in a row and get themselves back into it. So they win 11 games when it's all said and done in the regular season. But I think that used a lot of their gas up, and they had trouble running the ball late in the year, couldn't run the ball anymore. Deshaun Watson was their leading rusher in the last five games, and that just cannot happen in this league, as you know. Uh, But all in all, I think... Aside from the playoff exit, it was a very encouraging campaign. It was Watson's first full season as a starter. He was remarkable. At times, he made some Houdini-like plays that we'll never forget. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is one of the best players in the league, period. And they've got a lot to look forward to building for the future. But they need to get better on the line. Uh, It was very tough for Watson to stay upright. And some of that is on him. But they just have to get better up front, run the ball better. And I think the whole product will be a whole lot of well, as you know, as, as somebody who covers the Vikings and, mm-hmm. and Vikings fans up in Minnesota, you know, we understand that the fact of a, of a, a struggling offensive line. They, you know, both the Texans and the Vikings, you know, that was a weakness this year. And, and I remember going into the 2018 season, I believe the Texans were supposed to have the worst line in the league. They didn't end yeah. up that way, right? Uh, but that was the, the the prediction going into it. Uh, talking about Deshaun Watson, and, and obviously, as you said, his progression from year one, starting off hot, getting injured and having a really fantastic year, too. I don't know if enough is said about the injury because he had a collapsed lung or partially collapsed lung and and banged up ribs, and who knows what was really going on in there, but there was a game against Jacksonville when they were trying to climb out of that 0-3 hole, and they, they beat Dallas, beat Buffalo. They had to go to Jacksonville, and Watson was medically incapable of flying. Like, they would not let him fly. So they said, hey, you want to 
take a bus, you know, we'll drive you. Not like a Greyhound, mind you, nothing wrong with that, but they got a bus, they rented one for him, and they got him to Jacksonville in time for the game, and he played, and he played well, they won it, they, that was part of their nine-game winning streak, and it's not like, as you know, when a player comes back, it's like, oh yeah, he's good to go now, he's 100% clearly, because he played, no, he wasn't 100% for the next few weeks, and they were just trying to get their way through these games, but he still played well, they were running the ball well at the time. During the nine-game winning streak, they were third in the league in rushing, so or most of it. So that was pretty good until that part of the game tailed off. But Watson, uh, he's he's got this magical quality about him. You know, Dabo Sweeney was quoted saying he's going to be the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Well, look, who knows about that? That's that's a, a pretty lofty projection and prediction. But when I look at the personality of him, I think he's almost more like Magic Johnson. You know, he plays the game, if I'm going to go basketball analogies here, he plays the game with such joy. He makes other people around him better. I know that's a cliche, but he truly does that. He sets the tone for the culture. Now, he's still so young, and I think as he gets older, that's going to really have a much more pronounced effect than it already does. But I think every guy on that team will tell you, as long as number four is in the game, we feel like we got a shot to win. To win. And many times this year, they would be down. He'd bring them back, final drive of the game or whatever. Philadelphia, they're down a couple of scores in the fourth quarter. They take the lead. They can't hold it. You know, they had a couple of outings like that in his rookie year where they couldn't hold a lead against the Patriots or against the Seahawks. So I think the sky's the limit, honestly. I know everyone's crazy about Mahomes, and that's great. Mahomes is phenomenal. Uh, but I wouldn't discount what Watson can do moving forward in the future as well. Yeah, obviously two guys picked in the 2017 draft mm-hmm. uh, didn't play a ton their first year. Obviously right. Watson more than Mahomes, and then their sophomore season's having really yep. unbelievable campaigns, really you know, great future for both those guys. Talking about the AFC South, yeah. you know, that division, the Texans, the Colts, uh, the Jaguars, mm-hmm. uh, and the Tennessee Titans. It's a very balanced division. Uh, yeah. It seems like all those teams are, you know, hover right around 500. Talk to me about the future of that division, you know, coming up next year. Well, I think it's the best division in football, or it was this past season, and people are saying, huh? You know, but you have to look at it like this. It's not top-heavy. You know, the Texans won the division with 11 wins, and the Colts were second, and the Titans had a winning season, but they didn't make the playoffs. So it's the only division in football that had three winning teams. And the Jags, which did what they did the year before, I mean, they went to the AFC Championship game and lost a squeaker with the Patriots. They went into the basement last year in the AFC South, but they still have a lot of talent. Now, if they can get things right at quarterback, I think everyone agrees that they're going to be a pretty good football team with all the talent they still have on defense. I know it's early and things are going to play out the way they do, but I I think it's a tremendous division. Andrew Luck is ridiculous right now. And the Colts, I mean, you look at the draft they had last year, the acquisitions and the job Chris Ballard did picking two all pros. I mean, you you just don't see that. And Luck playing way above where people projected. You know, a lot of people thought, you know, he's throwing a high school football around late in the offseason and all of a sudden he has this tremendous campaign and for me and you know how I know how you feel about the Colts Sage and you know how I feel about the Colts they are like I hate them like poison in a healthy football way of course I mean I'm sure the Vikings feel the same way about the Packers and everything so you know it's just one of those rivalries and the Bears, of course. I mean, and these these wounds run deep for these franchises, you know. But for the Texans, even though they've done better and they finally won in Indy a few years ago, they won three of their last four here in Indy, which is incredible for the Texans. As you know, they never were able to win here. Uh, that's good. But they still can't really get over the hump, and the playoff performance proved it. So uh, I just think that's uh, it's a division to watch. You know, you don't have a lot of big markets other than Houston, so that, I think that plays into the lack of national appeal maybe. But, yeah, good quarterbacks and maybe just 
Jacksonville gets Foles or somebody like that, and I think it's definitely a division to pay attention to. I was to. just going to say, you're, you're talking about not getting that national exposure, yeah. and, and Houston being, you know, was the fourth biggest city, fifth biggest city yeah. uh, in the United States. Do you think that was, was it surprising that they weren't getting more attention during that nine-game winning streak? Uh, it may be, but when you start 0-3, you, you, you mortgage the house, you know what I mean? Everything is complete, all the equity is gone, all the love was gone, and then other teams are doing what they're doing, and the Chiefs are coming out of the gate real hot and everything. So people weren't really paying the kind of attention you would think or, or want. But that's okay. You know, it's funny. It's the NFL, as you know. It's not college football where it's like, we need the exposure for recruiting. You know, but you st- still want the the respect, right? Especially when you're working in the building. But when they beat the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football in that it was a wild low-scoring game. You know, it was like 19-16 to 16 or something and, and no touchdowns. Uh, I guess it was the third quarter on, midway through the third quarter on. I mean, no one could score a touchdown, but the overtime play by DeAndre Hopkins, catch and run with two spin moves and everything. I mean, that was legendary for the Texans now, and a lot of people saw that, and I think a lot of people realized, hey, Hopkins might be the best receiver in the league. You know, everyone talks about Antonio Brown and Julio and everybody, but this guy is unreal with the hands, with the... You know, it's not like he gets a ton of separation, but once he gets the ball in his hands in a catch-and-run situation, he's really dangerous. Well, and let's add to the fact that, you know, a guy like DeAndre, and, and, and I played with Andre Johnson yeah. down there in Houston, and, you know, there, I think there's an aspect of being a teammate, uh, whether it's a receiver, a quarterback, a DB, whatever it might be. You know, you don't hear a lot about DeAndre Hopkins. You know, yeah. you don't hear a lot of complaints off the field. You, he's not a big guy that goes to the media with his issues with the quarterback <laughs> like an Antonio Brown. So I always sort of put receivers up an extra notch, uh, even if they're, to say, equal in talent, equal in production. Mm-hmm. But this guy is more of a team guy. It seems like DeAndre Hopkins is that guy. And I think the overlap he had with Andre Johnson – really helped. He played two years with Andre and as you know, Andre is a great teammate and, and he's played with a lot of different quarterbacks himself, you know, you included in that and and put up a ton of great numbers. The touchdown's not really with Andre Johnson, but when it comes time to talk about Hall of Fame possibilities, I think he's got a good shot because of the yards, the fact that, you know, he didn't play with Brett Favre his entire career. or He played with he, Sage Rosenfels for yeah, part of his he career. He played with Sage <laughs> Rosenfels. I mean, geez, how do you... No, no, Why doesn't he have no, a thousand you, touchdowns? You guys put up some numbers together. You were a pretty prolific A lot of touchdowns, a lot of interceptions. That was sort of the way I I remember the, the, you came into a game against Tennessee in 06 in the second half and threw three touchdown passes in the, in the second half. Don't shortchange me. Four <laughs> touchdowns in the fourth quarter and oh, it's an NFL no, no, record. No, no, no. That's 07. You're, I know your career better than you. That was 07 at home. I'm yes. talking 06 on the road against the Titans. Three TDs in the second half. You came in in relief of David Carr. Th- this is game. true and yet still did not get to start the following week. But anyway, I'm not bitter about it. Give me one <laughs> <laughs> Give me. We talk about uh, journeyman quarterbacks on our yeah. show a lot uh, on, on the Purple Podcast. Can you give me one interesting sort of not total football Sage Rosenfeld story oh, that you might remember? From back in the day. Not, not to, well, look, you're part of, and I know you've talked about this and you've written about this, you know, and it's unfortunate that we have the Rosencopter moment in, in history because it's one, we talk about Texans losses, Sage, and they have named, the games have names like <laughs> Rosencopter. Um, there was one time when the Colts beat the Texans with Matt Hasselbeck with Montezuma's Revenge, so we call that game <laughs> Hasselbeck in a Diaper. You know, we have nicknames for these horrendous operatic losses, uh, but I'll I'll say this. You have, I believe you have a winning record as a starter. 
for the Houston Texans. Six and four. Yes. Three the, losses to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, by how the many way. Texans quarterbacks could say that? You know, Watson could say it right now. You know, Schaub can say it, but it took him a while to get over the hump because, as you know, it took a long time to get that defense going. Yeah. Uh, so, and it really didn't get going until they hired Wade Phillips as defensive coordinator in 2011, and you were you were gone by then. Uh, but but I I'll say this. I mean, you had a lot of love from the fans. There's no question about it. And you know, Matt was was struggling with injury early in his yep. tenure with the Texans. You were already there, but his, his not rookie year, his first year with the Texans, he gets hurt. You finish out the season and actually help the team go 500 for the first time in history. You beat Tampa Bay and then Denver back-to-back on a Sunday-Thursday combo. How about this? I remember all your games. It's pretty How good. How about that? With Darius Walker at running back. Who's he? Former Notre Dame running back, so uh, I, I always thought you did a lot of great things for the franchise. Well, I appreciate it, and and for and for Vikings fans, by the way, and, and as we're sort of dipping back in, in old Texans memories, talking about Gary Kubiak. All right, yeah. you know, here's a guy who's now uh, an offensive coach with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski is the offensive coordinator, but there is going to be a, a fairly large influence of Gary Kubiak in this, this office. What can Vikings fans expect? And tell me about Gary Kubiak, not as necessarily the the, the football coach but the man off the well he, he's you won't meet a finer individual uh, mu- you won't meet more of a gentleman than Gary Kubiak he's an outstanding human being I love him I love his family uh, he cares about people so much I mean he's he's loyal maybe to a fault sometimes uh, but you have to respect that uh, I can't say enough good things about him and and as you know I'm sure you've talked about this with your listeners that the word precision comes to mind. You know, Gary Kubiak was about precision. We're going to run this offense this way, and everything's got to be done perfectly because it's all got to look the same. You know, run, pass. Andre Johnson still talks about this kind of stuff. That's why when DeAndre Hopkins gets there, Hopkins is from Clemson. He's kind of like, can't we just kind of throw the ball up? You know, because he can do that. You know, Andre's like, no, 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 sit down. We're going to learn how to do this this way because Hopkins was in the Kubiak system for a year. And it's a tremendous system. It's had success everywhere. And you see the seedlings uh, sprouting up from the Kubiak tree, like Kyle Shanahan. Matt LaFleur was in the building as, you know, I mean, he was the guy who got coffee and, and broke down film for a while. You know, I know Matt from back, and I know you don't want to hear good things about the Packers head coach, <laughs> which still blows my mind, by the way, because I was the voice of the Central Michigan Chippewas when LaFleur was like a little kid, and his father was a secondary coach there and, and coached other elements of the team as well. I mean, Matt's, Matt's going to be good, and, you know, he's from that Kubiak tree, and it's no surprise that Gary has a lot of disciples because, and I know you've talked about it, the system is so productive, and it's still workable in the NFL today. Uh, Kubiak, and when, when he won a Super Bowl in Denver, it broke my heart. It did, because a lot of those guys were our guys, and you know, a lot of the yeah. coaches that were working with him, a lot of the players, Owen Daniels, part of that team, yeah. and he wins it with Peyton Manning, like all-time Texans <laughs> villain. And it's like they join up, like the dark side of the force, and they win a freaking Super Bowl with, ah. Uh, but I was I was happy for Gary because I knew he had it in him. So this, by the way, this is like the aspect of like where I think like when Baker Mayfield uh, was talking smack about Hugh Jackson when after Hugh had gotten fired last year, yeah. I'm like, listen, you know, it's the, the the league is crazy, and you know, and Baker was upset because you know, not only did he, I mean Hugh got fired, but he went to you know a rival in the division. Right, right. You gotta respect uh, that. Though. Yeah, and and but yeah, there's an aspect of like, listen, everyone's fighting for jobs here, everyone's trying to win a championship, and you know, there's really 
really no such, you know, you have your enemies, but, you know, if I get fired and my enemy hires me, <laughs> they're not my enemy anymore. You know, exactly. Not, There's you know, only so. 32 teams, and it's a very small world. I mean, and you see it here in Indy. You know, you bump into people all the time. I mean, you're going to bump into people down the hall and like, oh, this is an assistant coach that you forgot about. Not forgot about, but you haven't seen yeah. in a long time. Scouts, oh, people like that. guys, trainers, yeah. they're all here. See them everywhere. So it's a great convention, and it is a small world. And you got to, like for Baker, like you might want to be nice to people because like these things do come back to, to fruition. They come back to haunt you sometimes. Uh, but I was I was happy for Gary winning that Super Bowl. I think Gary's going to do a tremendous job in Minnesota. I look at Cousins, and Cousins was with Shanahan, the Shanahan's in yeah. Washington. So there's a lot of information that he, he could have gotten about him. Uh, and I think Cousins will do a lot better in the Kubiak system. I know Kubiak's not the offensive coordinator, but with Gary's influence, yeah. Gary's the wise Rick elder. Rick Dennison is the offensive line I mean, coach. Rick Dennison, okay? I mean, these guys know how to run this thing. Yeah. And, and it is going to be good. You're going you're gonna to like the results. I think with Gary in Houston, the, the bad thing that happened to him is that in 2013, Matt Schaub suddenly had great difficulty completing passes and, and just had like a Chuck Knobloch kind of thing going on. I still, it's one of the great mysteries of the universe where he threw all those pick sixes and it just snowballed downhill, and no one could really stop it. Um, but I'm, I was not surprised when he won a Super Bowl because you play great defense, you run the ball well, you complete a few timely passes, you can get it done. And everyone who says, oh, the game's going into the 40s and 50s and the scores and everything, and then we look at the Super Bowl. There you have it. You know, It's not like you can completely ignore offense, obviously, but you got to be a balanced football team with a good culture. Well, we talked about it all year, and some of the Vikings really struggled with was you know, they didn't run the ball well, and Pat Shermer, when he he was the offensive coordinator in 2017. They were top five in the league in rushing. Uh, he leaves to go to the Giants. John D. Filippo comes in, and they're one of the worst in the league in rushing uh, last year, mm-hmm. which then put a lot more pressure on Cousins, which I, I did not think was uh, you know the, the strength of the team. And, and I, I do I do believe, and you know, we're talking about again, you know, the Houston Texans. You know, I guess what 2006 to 2013, 12. Right. With, uh, with, with, uh, with, with, with Gary Kubiak, um, is that you know he made Schaub into a Pro Bowl player. Yeah, you know, a guy who's not a great athlete, a guy that doesn't have a huge arm, but accuracy uh, can put you know function within an offense. And you get receivers, you get that run game going, and he can be a very good quarterback. And I right. think this is what the Vikings and, and really Kevin Stefanski, what they're looking to try to do, is. Uh, you know, have that run game, have that play action for Kirk Cousins, because that is how he was trained, you know, as, as a child, as a yeah. rookie, you know, as his first couple of years in that Shanahan system. Got to run the ball. Got to run the ball. I mean, look, look at even the Patriots, which I know they run a different system, but you think they're going to, you know, preserve Tom Brady the way they have if they can't run the ball well? And they picked their spots so well to do it, you know, for the most part. I mean, he's still Brady, but he's really not anymore. You know, he's got that ground game going for him, and they, they find a way to get it done that way. I, I still think, you know, the Rams, what do the Rams do? I mean, we're talking about this system, you know? You have to be able to do it. You know, some days it's not going to be there, and you got to be able to pick people apart. But the play action is there, usually. Yeah, the because run game is not, why is the run game also... not there? They're, they're bringing everybody up to stop it. All right, now let's go hit the tight end or whatever. Whatever you guys do, Sage. The bootleg, <laughs> you know, run all that stuff, all that play action. But... You mentioned it. I mean, you were really good play-action quarterback. Shaw was a really good play-action quarterback. I mean, how how well-trained were you guys in that dimension of the game? Because you got to be able to fool the defense. Yeah, the detail is really, really precise. And, and so so for, for Minnesota fans, for the fans of uh, an upper Midwest, mm-hmm. when they come down to Houston for whether it's the Livestock Show or for uh, the, the Houston Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, the, the bowl game down there, or for business or whatever, give me the best Tex-Mex restaurant in the city of Houston. Well, 
Papacitos is really good because they're everywhere. And and if you're looking for a place, you know, some people say, well, there, there's some authentic places that are like whatever, nooks and crannies. Go to Papacitos because there's one near you. All right, it's a great chain, and they're actually a. Partner so you're talking about convenience as part of the, the it, taste of part, the food. Basically, I'll tell you what: the salsa, the queso, it's all outstanding there. Even the salads are good. You know, I know you're not going there for the salad, but even that's good. So uh, I would I would recommend that. And you mentioned the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, which is going on right now, uh, three week period, twenty nights in the stadium. They get at least fifty five thousand a night, maybe sixty five, seventy, depending on the act. That and I know you've been there. It's yeah, so, an incredible. So, so, so event. for for for. Fans Fans of, uh, of uh, the Score North and the Purple Podcast, this this uh, livestock show, Houston Rodeo and Livestock Show, isn't just a rodeo and livestock show. It's actually at the end of every night, concert. there's a major concert. Yeah. I the saw biggest Casey acts, country, yeah. uh, rock. Cardi you know, B is playing. Well, there you go. The rodeo. And I think she's going to keep it clean. I think. So it's going to be really interesting. I believe, did Beyonce or, or Destiny's Child, because they're from Houston. They I might have like played it back, it back in, the, back in day. the day. Yeah, Beyonce was at the stadium for a different concert or two in the last year. But, yeah, th- this is Houston culture. There's also the World Championship Barbecue Contest, which is really an excuse for a big party. It's like 30,000 people in the lots. And it's it's like elite tailgating on steroids. It's just out in the lots. Everyone has People a take out mortgages to make a barbecue machine. And, and the tents, the, the setups, they bring wood and band. Every tent has a band. It's it's incredible. It's a, it's a great party. Uh, that's a great time to visit Houston, I think. Uh, I But really, I'm, I'm just going to be honest here. Houston is a great place to live. And it's not like the best place to visit. You know, it's a good place for a convention or something. You have some work, do some things on the side. The restaurants are phenomenal. And they've gotten even better since you were there. I mean, they're, it's known as the culinary capital of the South now. Uh, so that's saying something. But um, but I love it. It's I've lived in six different states, and I just think it's a tremendous place to live. Well, Mark, uh, thanks for coming on uh, the show today. Uh, this is Sage Rosenfels reporting from the Indianapolis Combine uh, for the Score North. All right. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Tread. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.